Moses and the Tabernacle. Um, if you have your Bible, you're welcome to open that there. The Exodus will be focusing there at Exodus chapter 27 uh, for the most part. Then we'll go to chapter 26. But Exodus chapter 27 and uh, <clears throat> deals with, if you look at the top there, those chapters 25 through 31 and 35 through 30 and 40 deal with uh, the tabernacle of Exodus. And so, but tonight, we're going to take some excerpts and let's learn a little bit about the tabernacle. Now again, I'm learning myself and I've been doing a little bit of study there on this. And so I'll give you some thoughts of this, of the tabernacle. Uh, why, was, why was the need for the tabernacle? Uh, the Bible says in, in Exodus 25 and verse number 8, uh, the Bible says that, in, that I may dwell among them. Jesus said, or Christ, or God said, uh, I want to make a tabernacle that I may dwell among them. This was God's dwelling place uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, God dwelt there in the in the tabernacle um, and the Holy Spirit, uh, and so and and so that was the place in which God was to dwell. And so He needed a house. He needed a tabernacle, a temple, uh, a place to be. And so they built this tabernacle for the Lord. And so now we're going to look at how or what they built to make this tabernacle there. And if you do have questions, don't be afraid to ask. Or if you have an interjection, you're welcome to uh, say something there. Exodus chapter 27, let's read in verse number 9, which is the tabernacle, what, the Bible, what, what a lot of people would call the court, but uh, it was the outside, it was the fence that they built here. In verse number 9, here he says, And thou shalt make the court of the tabernacle for the south side, Southward, south side, southward, there shall be hangings for the court of the fine twine linen of a hundred cubit, cubits long for one side, and the twenty pillars thereof, and their twenty sockets shall be of brass, and the hooks of the pillars and their fillets shall be of silver, and likewise for the north side in the length there shall be hangings of a hundred cubits long, and his 20 pillars uh, and their 20 sockets of brass and, and the, the hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver. And for the breadth of the court of the west side shall be hangings of the 50 cubits and their pillars 10 and their sockets 10. And the breadth of the court on the east side eastward shall be 50 cubits. Verse 14, the hangings of one side of the gate shall be 15 cubits, their pillars three, their sockets three, uh, three, and on the other side shall be hangings 15 cubits, their pillars three, and their sockets three. So you say, well, I, I, how many of you are lost? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you read that and you're like trying to grab your mind around it. What is this talking about? This is talking about this, uh, as God would have them build this tabernacle, on the outside of the tabernacle, they would build a fence. Now, it's not like what you and I would think of a fence. When we think of a fence, it's a white picket fence or a, or a stone fence, or, or nowadays it's wooden, right? But in this, in this time, for the tabernacle, it wasn't even a wood. 
It wasn't made out of stone. It wasn't made out of a white picket. It was made of, uh, uh, they would hang like a, a, a what, what do you call it? Like a linen cloth or a cloth on the, on the gate. And so, or on the, on the fence. So here it is. We have the measurements. The measurements. So how big is this fence? How big is this fence? It totaled 60 pillars on the fence. They were seven and a half feet apart, seven and a half feet tall, 115, 150 feet long, and 75 feet wide. Is how long, how big the fence was. That's a pretty good sized fence, which thing. But, you know, as you think about this and you think about all the things that went in this and all the hooks and the brass hooks and the, and the fillets and the silver and the pillars, they had to, those all had to be mobile. Because when they moved through the desert, guess what had to move with them? The tabernacle. That tabernacle did. Can you imagine being the guy that was in charge of the pillars and in charge of the brass fittings and the silver all those, all those things that would hang on that fence you had to take care of. That's a lot of work. Okay. Taking up, putting down, put, put, putting down, taking it and putting it up, and all that work that would go into that fence. But that fence, there was something to note about that fence is it had, it had front side, it had a back side, had a uh, long side, low side, and then the front was a gate. There was like a door, and so that was there was only one entrance to the door. And that's something to note as well because one is that uh, the tabernacle is a picture of Christ or a picture of who the Lord is. But the purpose of all of that was for, why was the purpose of the fence? What was the purpose of the fence? So that it would not allow anybody unauthorized entrance. Everyone, there was one way to get in. There was one entrance. You know, I would I would kind of think I, I kind of think that it's kind of like prayer today. There's only one way. There's only one 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 person we're praying to. There's one entrance. Prayer is one. This was to keep it that the entrance from being out of whack. It was to it was to make sure that everyone went through the same gate. Not only was it to the purpose of the unauthorized entrance, but number two is to direct the people. What do you mean to direct the people? As you looked in that opening, you would view one thing. You know what you would view? What would be in view? Does anybody know what would be in view as you opened up the gate? What could you see in front of the tabernacle? The brazen altar. As you looked at the brazen altar, what does the brazen altar represent? Or what took place on the brazen altar? Does anybody know? Sacrifices. Sacrifices. They would sacrifice on that brazen altar, and that needed to be the first thing, that was the first thing they saw when that gate opened, was that brazen altar. And what is that, what is that in any, any significance to us? That, that is the one thing that they could see was the place where the sacrifice took place. Jesus Christ. When we, when I see a cross, what immediately comes to my mind? Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ, the sacrifice, that's immediately what comes to my mind. When that gate would open and they would see that brazen altar, what was the first thing that crossed their mind? The sacrifice. The blood that was spilt on that, the blood that was spilt for that sacrifice. The, the, the time that was spent for that sacrifice. The animal that was spent for that sacrifice. There was a specific reason why there was one opening, why there was one thing, one item was because to make sure that it brought attention to the brazen altar, the sacrifice. And I believe that it's so important as a church, as a Christian, that we keep the cross in view. And we make sure that the cross never gets old. And singing the old rugged cross ought to be sweeter every time we sing it. Not older and older. Oh man, here we go singing that song again. No, I still love the old rugged cross. Thankful for that. The Bible says in Galatians chapter number 3 and verse number 24, the Bible says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by our faith. And you say, what does that mean? The law, what took place at this tabernacle and that brazen altar was to bring people and point people to Christ, point people to the blood, Point people to the sacrifice. That's why the brazen altar was there. To remind us that that's the sacrifice of what's needed to be done. Any thoughts, questions? And they knew that the sacrifice being blemishless rolled their sins ahead for another year. So it had to be pure. It had to be holy. Right. Had to be a specific lamb. A specific animal for that to take place. Yes, sir. You know, I made mention about the Eureka Springs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, the tabernacle is built exactly to the space of what is in the Bible. And whenever you walk in through the gate and everything, everything that's there to prepare the animal mm -hmm. is there. The blazing altar is there. And yeah. Then, and then the, the, uh, the tabernacle is right, to, you know, just a little bit further down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's all encased and everything in that right. fence. Inside that fence. In that fence. Yeah. And it, everything that's there, the... Uh, Passion of Christ. Yeah, the Passion Play. Passion Play. I'm sorry. Yeah, on the on uh, it's exactly the same specs as what the Bible gives. Isn't that pretty interesting? Yes. Yeah. And you know, preacher, we know we went there. Every everyone that explains <coughs> the the tabernacle and what takes place at the end, they always give the plan of salvation. Amen. At every station. Amen. They give, they give the plan of salvation. And they also, uh, they will pray with you. Yeah. They ask you, you know, oh, yeah. anybody. Where is this? And you read the springs, the passion play? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, grabbing it, you've seen it. You know, yeah. you've seen the the uh, replica yeah. of what it is. Yeah. You know, and I think that that probably opens up your mind a little bit more to even this study of the tabernacle and understanding 
all that went to, and took place inside that fence and, and, the, and the work that it took for those men and women as they had to prepare and they picked it up and they moved it and they picked it up and they moved it and they picked it up and they moved it, you know, multiple times and, and, the, and the work of those Levites and the work of those, those Christians, the works of the Israelites, because as we, we talked about, that Moses asked them to bring forth these items and they brought forth the gold and they brought forth the silver and they brought forth the linen and all those things he needed, they brought every bit of it so much that Moses told him to stop bringing it because he brought too much. Yeah. You know, and it was from their own pockets. It was from their own uh, stock or whatever right. it was. And so as we look at this, all this was done by God's people to prepare a place for God to dwell a place where they could go have their sins washed away. A place for them to have their sins pure. I mean, that's to me as I read that and I and I say that I and I and I and I and, I, and as I mention that, it makes me more excited and know that this is our place. This is the place that God has given us. This is the place where other people can know Christ. This is the place where people can get a hold of Him, just like they did back then. I know they had to have, there was a little bit difference that took place and they had to make sacrifices. But ultimately, as I read in Galatians chapter 3, that it was by faith. And it was by faith that they made those sacrifices. And it was by faith that they believed that God would forgive their sins just as much as it is today. And it's by faith. And we don't have to have an altar for a sacrifice. We have the altar. Yes, yes. You see it right at the Father. Right at the Father. Yeah, that's right. And nobody knew how long they were going to be at that particular location. No, they didn't. It could be a month. It could be two weeks. Right. You know, right. pick up and move. That's right. How much? How many camels would it take? How many donkeys did it take? Load it up! <laughs> Serious, Moses? We just got settled in. Right. Okay. How many backpacks? How many backpacks? How'd they roll that tent up? Yeah. You know, nowadays you, you get a tent like that, man, you've got, you bring it in, you lift it up with some big something to lift it up with. What they lift it with? Their backs. That's right. Those are the same men that built the pyramids. I guess they're pretty strong guys, huh? But you know what? The really intrigued me is that, and of course, I know, I know how they did it. In the desert. Yeah. In the desert. Yeah, right. So God provided everything and gave them the, the knowledge how to do it and everything. I know that. But the tools. That's right. What they used. And, and the dimensions. Yeah. And everything had to be perfect because it wouldn't line up over here. Hey, hey Jim, you cut it too short over here, man. We got to go get some more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what's a cubic? Yeah. Eight, what, 18 inches or something like that? I might, I might be wrong on that. Something like that. But you didn't have a measuring tape. No. Or no. All right, that's about arm length. All right, let's go. All right. Yeah, I mean, whatever you start to think about it, they didn't. That's right. They didn't have that 100-foot tape that you got at the house, you know? Roll it out there. No. But God planned it for his house. 
You know, the importance that God put on the tabernacle, a place for him to dwell, the door was for them to see that brazen altar, but it was also, it was to represent the one door. Yeah, right. One door. There wasn't no, there wasn't more than one door. Jesus said, I am the way, I'm the truth, the life, no man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said, you're not getting through the back door. Right. You're not getting through because you're good. You're not getting through because you go to church. You're not getting, you're going through me. And that was the representation of that one door. You're not coming in the back way. You've got to come in the front door. That's right. The only door, I believe John, I uh, said it in John chapter 10. I got to read it. John chapter 10 and verse number 9. get there. John 10 verse 9 Jesus said He said I am the door. Yeah. I am the door by me if any man enter in he shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. He said I am the door. There is not a door, another door. Acts chapter 4 tells us that there is no other name given among men whereby you must be saved but by Jesus Christ there is but one way to heaven. And there wasn't but one door in and out of that tabernacle. Right. That one door. Now, you still got your Bibles open to Exodus? Look in verse number 16. Look in verse number 16. Let's talk about the gate. Now there's more, there are more that goes along with the gate. If you will read uh, verses number 16 through verse number 19. I'm just going to take verse number 16. And the Excuse me. And the gate of the court shall be an hanging of 20 cubits of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen wrought with sewing machine. Right? Needlework. <laughs> and their pillars shall be four and their sockets four. So this front gate was four different colors. The front gate was blue, purple, scarlet, red, and white. Beautiful gate. Why those colors? Why those colors? Anybody? Okay. Yep. The blood. The blood. Alright. Well here, I'll give you a thought. Anybody anybody else? On the colors? This is just a thought. Purple, which is royalty. If you look in the New Testament, Matthew depicts Christ as the gospel or the king of the gospel. He was purple. He was royal. Mark speaks of Jesus as being a servant. He was the gospel of the servant. Red is a color of servitude. Uh, Luke pictures Christ as the perfect man, which is white, the purity. John speaks of the deity of Christ and blue is a heavenly color. There's a reason, 
you know, this, as you look at this, as the purity and the red and the, and the purple, there's, these reasons are to represent, I believe, Jesus Christ in some way, form, or fashion, whether it is by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I don't know that it is, but it, I believe that those colors are to represent Christ in some way, form, or fashion. His purity, his blood, heavenly uh, deity, his royalty, I believe that. Any thoughts? There is not a wrong answer when it comes to those colors. There is not. Any other thoughts, questions? Well, you know, I believe that everything from the very beginning of creation represents the future for Christ. Yes. Yes. You know, Absolutely. Coming Absolutely. And everything. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And that those colors make sense. Right. It represents Jesus Christ. Right. You guys are pointing towards one yeah. thing. Even even the sacrifices, even the lamb, even the spot, all that, all of that was, was what was going to happen, what was going to take place. And although I don't, again, I say it, that although they didn't know exactly how it would take place or who it would be, or I mean, they did know that it would be the Son of God, but they didn't know how it would take place. But they knew one day it would, and that he would come and pay for all men's sin. And he took his life and put it on that cross and sacrificed himself for all men. And the blood was spilt and the lamb was killed and the lamb arose for our sin. Yeah. And all that, you know, made possible for him to be the one, the one way, the one door to be our sacrifice for our sin. You know, that some of this goes back to my Sunday school lesson for Sunday. <laughs> well, you know, I'm stepping on it. No, no, no. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's amazing how you, whenever you, you know, you study and everything, how it, it points. Yeah. Everything that's happening in the Old Testament points to That's right. Thing. That's right. It's a representation of what it is. It is. It is. Yeah. I mean, you, even, you talk about the Old Testament, even Old Testament prophecy, go back to when, when the Garden of Eden, when man first sinned, the first prophecy about Christ being born was the bruising of Satan's head and the heel of, of Christ. And that is when there's a bruise the head of the serpent. That was prophecy that Christ would bruise the head of Satan. And that and again, and you go through the Old Testament, you'll see prophecy after prophecy of Christ being and coming. And, 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 and it's just all laying that groundwork pointing towards Christ. And you know, whenever Adam and Eve sinned and everything, there was a God sacrificed an animal. Yes. To make clothing for them. That's right. That's right. But God knew when he created them that they were going to mess up. Yeah. He knew that. Oh, yeah. Well, he knew that they were men. But then again, it shows right there. It points to the sacrifice. To the sacrifice of the lamb. Of the lamb. That's right. Of Jesus Because he didn't get them fig leaves. Yeah. Right. He didn't go get them the leaf off the tree. No. He went and got them an animal. That picture, that sacrifice, <laughs> starting then, yeah. at that point, that it was the blood, and then Cain 
and Nabal. And then, hey, well, why, why, why is his sacrifice better? No, sir, the reason his sacrifice is better is because that's the only sacrifice. It's not, it's not. You get in my Sunday school lesson. I'll stop. Look, it's not the, it's the, it's not the, the fruit of the tree, it's the blood. It's the blood. And it's still the blood that cleanses our sin. It's still the blood. And that's why there was that brazen altar, the open gate for Christ. Man, exciting. See the fence. Lastly, number two, we see the framework. What does that mean? What took place to build the tabernacle? To build it, to put it together. Exodus chapter 26 is back one chapter. I'm not going to read all of it because it is 15 verses. But if you'll take 15 through verse number 30, it talks about the building, the frame of the tabernacle. <clears throat> all right? In verse number 15, And thou shalt make boards... For the tabernacle of Shittim wood standing up. Ten cubits shall be the length of the board. And a cubit and a half shall be the breadth of one board. They had specific dimensions on how big the board needed to be. Isn't that amazing? Two tenons shall there be in one board. And set in order one against another. Thou shalt make for all boards of the tabernacle... And thou shalt make the boards of the tabernacle, 20 boards on the south, south side, southward. And it goes on and on about how to make it, like I said, from verses 15 to verse number 30. So let's look at the measurements. The boards were to be 15 foot long, 27 inches wide, and then they were to be overlaid with gold. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? In verse... Number 14 is not on the paper, but in verse number 14, the Bible says, And thou shalt make a covering for the tent of the ram's skins dyed red, and a covering above of badger's skins. So there was two different skins. There was this, there was the, uh, on the covering, there was the linen, verse chapter 26 and verse number 1, which were the curtains, the curtains of linen, and then in, in uh, verse number, uh, sorry, I'm looking at my notes. Verse number 7 through 13 is the goat's hair. Verse number 14 is the ram's skin and, and badger's skin dyed. White, blue, purple, hmm? and scarlet. Again, used on the tabernacle. I wonder how long it took for them to catch all those badgers. <laughs> a badger's not too big. How much skin are we going to have out of this one? You better just kill the big ones. Oh. They, they probably brought Mama Pop, Mama, Mama Badger home and a Daddy Badger home and said, all right, let's watch them have kids, all right. <laughs> you imagine the process of tanning and then dyeing it red and they're making sure that it's right and, and uh, having those boards cut just right. You know, you get a board today and it's uh, it's cut the exact, every board's cut the exact same way off a big cutting machine. That's not what they had. It's not like they had a big sawmill running over there. Nowadays, uh, my father-in-law works on a machine at a, at a sawmill and he picks up the log and he sets it on his machine 
and he looks at the machine based on a computer. All right, it'll make two by four. Punch, shoot, send it to the machine. Right. And it cuts two by fours out of, that, out of that log. That's not how it worked. You know, they were out there sawing together and working together and shaving it off. Uh, man, hard work. A bunch of time to make these boards and to overlay them with gold. Now, as they built this tabernacle, the, the gold was for the inside, not the outside. The outside would be covered by the by the 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 the, the the covering of the tent. Where in good and sense did they get the gold? Women's earrings, I guess. Well, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you know how much gold they have to give? I know, but how did they haul it? I don't know. But God said, or the Bible says that they had so much that Moses told them to stop giving. So they they had enough gold to to do all all that they needed to do. I don't know. Maybe they took a bunch of gold with them from Egypt. You know, bands around the hand. They they stole a bunch of gold from Egypt. I don't know. Yeah, I stole. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, then they say that would be a ring. It's going to be a Yes, it would. How many? Yeah, I mean, do you think? Do you think about one ring? That wouldn't cover a fourth of the board. A quarter of the board, not even a, a, a half inch of the board, you know. But they played them, man. The work in which that took place uh, for Christ, you know. And it's it's uh, like I said, the outside, but you could see the beauty on the inside of the tabernacle. It's kind of like Christ, you know. A lot of people that don't know Christ they say, "Well, God's." God's a mean God, or this. I've had people tell me uh, God's God's not a just God because people go to hell and different things of that nature. And you know, once you get to know God, you're pretty. Hey, man, God's God's awesome. Okay. God's a great God. Yeah. And when you stepped outside and you saw this tabernacle, you wouldn't necessarily think, "Oh man, that thing's plated with gold and everything." But you had to walk inside to be able to see that gold-plated uh, wood on the inside of. That's just like God. If you never get to know Him, you'll never know the goodness of God. What does the Bible say? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. There are some people who've never tasted. There's some people who've never entered that tabernacle so they don't know. They can't grab a hold of how good God is. Now, anybody have any thoughts before? I have two more things to go through and then we're, we'll be done. We have the outer veil. The outer veil was 30 feet long by 15 feet wide. Verse number 36. Chapter 26. The inner veil, which is the most common veil that a lot of people may, may know. Uh, that, that was a 15 foot by 15 foot wide. 15 foot wide, 15 foot high, 15 foot long. It was the inner veil in which uh, that the priest had to go behind. It was the inner veil that, that when Christ rose from the dead, that veil, that's the veil that rent. That was the veil that tore. That was the veil that opened it up so we could approach the throne room of God so that there wouldn't be a veil that you had to go through and you didn't have to go through anybody else. 
You can go straight to the Father. He said, I can boldly approach the throne of God. Yes. That was that veil. And they've never been able to put that veil back together. Because God tore it down. And the thing that we must note is that this was a veil that would, that would, uh, that would, uh, that would be in that tabernacle. And they would go behind that, go behind that veil and, and speak to God and go on the behalf of us, uh, of them. But thankfully, we don't have to. We don't have to have that. We can come to the tabernacle and we can worship God. And we can go to Him in our, in our prayer closet. We can go to Him in our house. We can go to Him at any point in time in our life. Now, know that, 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 that people could still talk to God. They didn't have to come to the tabernacle to talk to God. They didn't have to do that because, I mean, you go back to Moses. And Moses was out there in the middle of the field. And God came and talked to him in the bush. I mean, you don't have to go to the tabernacle to talk to God. But that veil was a representation of that. But when Christ rose from the dead, he tore that veil from top to bottom. Now, that at the point when that veil was rent, it wasn't in the tabernacle anymore. It was in the, it was in the temple. Because they built God a house. But as you look at this, here's the temple. Here's the framework. All the veil, the different veils that were on the inside. One room was bigger than the other. Small room was where the where the where the priest would go behind. It's amazing that God did all that for his What do you think that emphasizes? When he died, everybody could go in there and worship. Anybody just walk in. There's a few people that could do it. Everybody. It's yeah. for everybody. And that veil was ripped, letting everybody know, hey, come on in. If he did all that, that Jesus, come on in. And that there's no sense in that in special, special person going in. If they believed in Jesus, that was their answer. They'd come right on into God and, and pray to Him. Right, right. Everybody, everybody. And that's what He did when He when He rent that temple the temple veil was made it all access for it, all mankind, all mankind. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anybody else? He did it all because He loves us. Amen. Amen. He did it all because he loves us. Amen. That's right. That's right. Any other que any questions? Any thoughts about this? The veil, the the temple, the I mean the tabernacle, the the fence, the framework. Any thoughts? Questions? Don't you suppose that everything was perfect? There was no exception. was putting an emphasis on one thing when he built that tabernacle. His house. His house. The perfect house. The tabernacle. 
I mean, and I and I believe this. Where's God's house now? Our body is the temple, right? Yeah, that's right. But is, do we call this what? What do we call this place that we worship at? What's this place called? Church. 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 Place of worship. A place of worship. God's house. You ever call it the house of God? That's right. Well, listen. God doesn't dwell in this house. You say he doesn't? No, we bring it with us. Mm -hmm. right. So it's right. up to me whether I bring it with me or not. Right. I want God to indwell this place. I want I want people to come in here and feel the Spirit of God. Amen. Yes. But that's going to come because of us yeah. praying that God would fill this place, yeah. that God would use this place like it's never been used before yeah. to reach people. People get saved. People get in the family of God. Right. I mean, that's what we're here for, right? That's what, that's what this church is here for, right? Yes. Man. But it's the house of God. But anyways, what I was saying then is, I got off track a little bit, but the importance of the house of God, the importance of, of, of this place, you know, a lot of people, the house of God is not important to their life. It's not important to right. to their way of life. Um, but it ought to be. Right? Hang on. Amen. Any other thoughts? Questions? You know, I've seen this thing on, well, I've, I've seen it. I didn't watch it through. But anyhow, I've seen it on there the other day. And they, they said that they're looking for it there in Jerusalem. And uh, they're looking under in this uh, under where the temple stood. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they're looking for that. And uh, they said, oh, they think they found the place now. But don't you think that's in heaven? The ark. The, the ark? ark? I, I don't know. I, I mean, know maybe so. I mean, I, I, should, I believe it's in heaven. I don't think I don't think they'll ever find it. No, that's me. I I can't disagree with you. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't think. I don't know where it is. Right. But I just I don't think anybody will ever find no, it. No, no, I don't think they ever will. Uh, it was it was special. Yeah. It was that special thing that God used. And um, it was holy. And it was holy. That's why I think it's yeah. yeah. Which which I mean. It's true. That's what I would have thought. Yeah. I didn't know that. Nobody and, knows. And, and, you know, referencing back to what you said, that the temple or the tabernacle was perfect, mm -hmm. but it represented the holiness of God. I mean, how holy God was and how holy God is. You know, in our life, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. I mean, should our lives represent the tabernacle? The perfect tabernacle, the that that um, you know, the, our lives should be holy, our lives should be right, and so, man, uh, you look at this, you look at that. I mean, the holiness of God, you know, dwell. That was God's house where He dwelt. That's what He said. He said, "Build me a house so I can dwell in that house." In, in Exodus 25, verse 8. Build me a house. But 
Now we're the temple. Any thoughts? A question? Anybody? Okay. You know, let's just uh, next week we're going to look at the uh, the furniture, the furniture that God put inside the tabernacle and outside the tabernacle. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for tonight. Thank you for everyone that's here. I pray that you bless us as we go about our way tonight. Lord, I, I pray that we'll look at how we treat the temple, even treat the house of God. Lord, I, I pray that we will you know, approach coming, approach being in God's house, uh, maybe a little bit more sincere, a little bit more praying time going on before we come. Lord, I just pray that you'll work in each one of our lives. We love you, and we thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.